0: Today is a story and a journey that you're really going to enjoy. Man, thanks for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it is my honor to welcome you in today to episode 187, and today is a good one because we get to sit down with Kyle Stark, Kyle is going to talk today and unpack his journey and talk about the role that Love has played in his leadership and in his journey. And he has had some kind of journey through the front offices in professional baseball with the Cleveland Indians organization and the Pittsburgh Pirates. And now he leads leaders from all walks of life through his company, Stark Contrast. This is a good one. And I think, you know, so many times we, we, we need to uh, have some tools in the toolbox. Kyle gives you some tools in your leadership toolbox in both his leadership piece and his faith piece and how those things have blended together in who he is today. So I don't know where you're listening from or watching from, but I want you to do me a favor and I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my conversation with Kyle Stark. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you, buddy. No, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's been great. I've gotten to know you a little bit on our Monday morning baseball calls, and it's been so fun. I know you love baseball. I know your faith means something to you. Walk me back to why Jesus matters to Kyle Stark. You've had a phenomenal career. But in the engine room of your life, that old faith is churning and chugging. Walk, walk that out a little bit for me.
1: Yeah, I think, um, so I'm fortunate. Uh, grew up in, in a um, in a God-fearing, God-loving uh, household. My parents are, are both rocks, um, both served in the church, led worship, uh, Sunday school. You know, I've shared with people, my dad's the best example of Jesus Christ I've ever been around, mm-hmm. just and not just that, but to show, I mean, he really has lived out what it means to be a man's man who is a God-fearing man. Um, and I think we we probably get examples of either one of those in life but yeah. to, to see that in one package. So fortunate to grow up in the faith and came to know uh, Christ early uh, at a really young age. Um, and so that relationships, you know, that sense of what's right, quote unquote, right, supposed to look like, but then also it being real to me early, Uh, you know, it wasn't something to grew up in the church and then came to have a relationship later, like this was early uh, as a a young kid. Um, And so then it's been a, it's been a journey ever since of of realizing what does that really look like? And I would say that throughout that journey, uh, the thing, you know, when you talk about, we joke around about cancer of two masters, seek first the kingdom of God. That's really the, you know, the, the longer I go on this journey, the more that that crystallizes mm-hmm. that there is mm-hmm. not like, well, in certain situations or some of the time or in whatever else. And that's been through some highs. It's been through some lows. That's been through some really good times. It's been through some tough times. Um, but, but ultimately um, coming to know, uh, you know, God as a heavenly father and not just Lord, not just savior, not just some of those things. Um, you know coming to know the different sides of him through through professional through personal with with my wife and my boys um so that's really been that journey um has been the anchor um my ability to hold fast to that consistently at at the at the you know beginning and end is what has continued to evolve over time
0: what what do you do now so Everybody who has that faith journey, we can feed it or starve it. What do you do to feed that faith journey for you that plays out into how you lead? What what are some of your disciplines you put in place to help you on that faith journey?
1: Well, I love how you just said discipline because, you know, I think it's one of those things that we subscribe, I think, to discipline in all other areas of our life, physical, uh, professional, uh, some of those different areas but it's, it's probably those um, ones that aren't as obvious. So maybe our, our marriage relationship discipline. Uh, and, and then I think the faith one is, is a big one. Um, you know, I've joked around my wife and I have joked around about, man, I just feel like I'm in the desert. And a lot of times it's because I've chosen to go in the desert <laughs> <laughs> as a, and sometimes, you know, God's teaching us something through that, but a lot of times it's because my own wandering off. So yeah. to answer your question uh, for me, it, you know, I think it's, it's starting the day. It's like, okay, what's most important. I'm going to start there. Um, and so for me, it is, it is getting in the word. Um, you know, I I've gone through a a bunch of phases of my life where it's this devotional, that devotional Oswald chambers has always been instrumental for me. Mm. However, when I'm in the word, it's different. When I'm going straight to the source, it's different. Um, and then it is, and the prayer side of things has been, I think probably a, a, um, Uh, yeah, continued work in progress as God's revealed to me in terms of what does that prayer life look like? Um, I had somebody square me up one time. I I said something about my grandma's a prayer warrior and they said, we're all called to be prayer warriors. Like Mm -hmm. that's not, you know, something unique there, which comes back to discipline piece. But anyway, so starting there, anchoring my day, this is most important. And then, um, then it's, you know, holding every thought captive under the obedience of Christ. And how specific can I go through my day that way? Um, I've joked around with a couple other leaders that, you know, because people talk about how do I bring my, you know, my faith into work, and it's tough at a public institution or whatever else. I'd much rather work for somebody who is holding every thought captive under the obedience of Christ and how they deal with me and lead than somebody who's kicking off every meeting with a prayer Mm -hmm. or a Bible study or whatever else. Like I think it's, when we see living our faith out that way, number one, it's way more impactful. God, the Holy Mm. Spirit's working all the time as opposed to, Hey, let's talk about Jesus. Not, not to minimize that, but you know, I think that's a big part of it. Um, And then I think the last part of it for me is how I close my day matters a ton. Mm. And I think Mm. we do a good job. Okay. Preparing the day, executing the day, but how do I review and make sense of what I just went through? and make sure that I'm thankful and appreciative, (laughs) make sure that I am, uh, you know, closing my day the same way I'm starting the day in terms of my anchor, um, so that I can rest up and go do
0: it again the next day. Boy, that's a great thought. You know, we never, we always think about the beginning, but we don't always think about the ending now because you take the game of baseball to only name your starter, not who your closer is and not know you're enclosed. It's a big deal. That is a, that is a great thought. I've never thought of that before. That is really, really well, good.
1: And one other thing on that might too. like, you bring up baseball. I think it's just so easy to move on to the next one, right? You play it cause it's 162. Yep. It's every day. It's part of what makes this game special for a lot of us, you know, other sports, there's more of a preparation, go execute, do championship review, prepare for the next one where baseball, it's like, okay, we're on the next one tomorrow. And so it's like, how can I make sure that I am making sense of what I just went through anchoring today <laughs> hmm. so that I can be
0: prepared going into tomorrow? That's really good. So you've got this faith that's driving you. You you're, you grow up in a, in a faith family. You've got a mom and a dad who are living it. You're going to church. What were your? Where did you see yourself going with this love of baseball? Did you dream one day that there would be major league baseball cards and bobbleheads and and all those things of Kyle Star? What was going through your mind of where the game of baseball was headed for you?
1: Yeah, I, I joke with people. I said I grew up like most of us wanting to be a big leaguer, and unfortunately, I realized sooner than I wanted to that that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> um, you know, grew up playing the game, loved the game, obsessed with the game. But I knew I wanted to work in the game. Mm. And so it then became okay. Then I want to be a general manager. I want to, to lead an organization. I want to do it at the highest level. Uh, I was I had coached, Had coached in college, loved coaching, uh, but I wanted to be at the highest level. And this was, you know, um, this was, you know, at, at a time frame where people that were working in the game were people that played the game at, at the right. highest levels. Yeah. And yep. so I was fortunate to get an opportunity, um, you know, again, coaching college, uh, able to do some things in school, whatever else, but was able to get an opportunity with Cleveland and Cleveland, was, um, you know, had some vision in terms of being creative to bring people in from, from different walks of life in different arenas and had had a lot of talented people come through that front office and have continued to have talented people come through that office. So was able to get an opportunity there. But the you know, it's funny. I'll tell a quick story. People are like, you know, got my lottery, uh, got my MBA and people are like, wow, you must, you know, and you c- clear focus on what you want to do. You must be really smart. And I said, yeah, all of that. And I'm making $500 a month, whatever it was at a time. <laughs> been here. I don't know how smart I really am, but I had clear vision. <laughs>
0: so what I love about it. I heard you telling Jason Romano, who's just one of the greatest guys out there. You were talking to Jason about it and it wasn't like, well, Kyle graduates college with a million baseball connections and he's just picking up the phone, which of the organizations would I like to work in because they're all knocking down my door. How did you get, this is a great story. How did you get that first job and that first breakthrough with Cleveland?
1: Yeah, it was old school. I wrote 30 GMs, old school uh, letter, I wrote 30 GMs. um, And I laugh, I think about, you know, now what does that look like? Uh, but I wrote 30 general managers and, and got responses from a decent number and actually had two uh, reach out and actually call and want to have a conversation. Um, ironically, it's the two I ended up working for in terms of Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Cleveland was a, was a better opportunity at the time. Um, but yeah, it was, uh try to put together a good resume that may impress somebody. Now I laugh. I think about my resume is pretty normal compared to what other people are. I mean, we got, you know, nuclear physicists wanting to work in baseball, but it was try to do that, try to uh, build some relationships, but then it was old school, Write Write some letters and see if anybody wanted to call me back.
0: Isn't it, isn't it funny how you're almost, you look back and you're like, how naive was I? I wonder how many letters those men get, but yet there's something about that that I bet those guys appreciated, you know, that you reached out. What did you learn? I'd love to hear your thought on this. What did you learn about the two that you heard back from a couple organizations? What was it those guys said when they called you? Because it was probably more than your pedigree they were coming after. What did they say about receiving a letter from you that made them want to call you?
1: Yeah, I think they, um, I think it speaks volumes about, um, how those guys saw their front offices in Mm -hmm. terms of, Hey, we're looking for some different perspectives. We're looking for talented people. I don't care where they come from necessarily. Um, and I think that, um, and, and they probably saw some intentionality and, and persistent work towards something where it lined up, you know, and I think again, Cleveland, but long before me, it had brought really smart, talented, way smarter than me people into their front office that went on to BGMs to get different perspectives and Pittsburgh at the time, Dave Littlefield, was a general manager. I'll never forget. We talked on, on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, um, extreme work ethic, uh, guy, Dave himself head coached, was a GA in college, uh, had mm-hmm. coached football and baseball. Um, you know, so I think there was probably some commonalities in terms of background and, and pedigree to be able to say, Hey, I can identify and relate to this. And it's worth a, worth a conversation.
0: That's so good. What, so you, you're, you're a college baseball coach, St. Bonaventure. You have a dream of getting a professional baseball what was different about professional baseball getting in the inner workings than you ever dreamed it would be like what did you what did you not expect going into it that you found to be a reality
1: yeah i think the two things that really jumped out one is it is a big business like mm. you know you think about an organization you know at the end my my time in pittsburgh you know we had over 150 staff in in uh, within baseball operations, not to to mention the business side, and and they've only gotten bigger. Like front offices and and everything have only gotten bigger. Um, so you, you start to realize just how vast this operate. it's a big corporation. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're, a uh, this is why a lot of college baseball coaches are like, I'm not leaving this game because I, I get to pick my players. I get to coach them. I got control over my program. Um, you know, that draw maybe isn't there. I think the second thing is that it is, a, and we're all people, <laughs> and, you know, I think you think, well, at the highest level, everything's going to be perfect. It's going to be the best people, the best everything. And you realize, no, it's a group of people, flawed people. um, Some are talented, some aren't, (laughs) Um, which people probably said the same thing about me. Uh, And and so you get a chance to really see at the end of the day, it is a a game of people. It's a business of people and all the stuff that comes with that.
0: And you really learn that in Pittsburgh because you go from the work that you did migrating through Cleveland's office to going to Pittsburgh as the assistant GM and really beginning to put your fingerprint on what had been a slide. I mean, they had been in a slide organizationally for years. Your group has brought in to turn that slide around and not everybody bought in to Kyle's ideas on what we're going to do to change the slide. Talk to us a little bit about coming in and you've got you've got your folders with your ideas and now you start implementing and and they don't seem to be working fast enough what was that like for you
1: yeah I think so a couple quick lessons early on in my time Pittsburgh the first one was I talked to some people way smarter than me get their take as I went into the situation and everybody said take the first year to see what you got this is what you got looking back I'm not wired that way um but I think what I did do, and I think what aligned with it, was okay. As you're um, intentionally making clear, hey, these are the values we're gonna, uh, uh, you know, subscribe to. But I wasn't immediately gonna start changing things the way of operating because sometimes you, you get into a spot where, like, I'm I'm fighting a fight over here on on the way this thing's done, and you know what? There's a lot of ways to skin the cat. Like that's mm-hmm. not worth it to me but not bending on the values, what we were going to go in day one, because I wanted everybody to know who we were going to be, who we aspired to be. So I could find out who wanted to be a part of that. Yep. Um, so that, so that's one lesson, uh, you know, two other ones, I'll never forget the number of people that said to me, um, you know, I we talk about an idea and they're like, well, that's not how we've done things here. And I'm like <laughs> 15 years of losing. I mean, it's the worst <laughs> team in the big leagues. Like what, what, but what that crystallized for me is people are people like that. We're not logical, rational, um, you know, people are people and that is the business we're in as leaders. Um, and I think a lot of times as leaders, we think it's something different. And it's like, I, so I got to meet people where they're at and navigate things differently. And then the the third lesson that first year was, I had a coach quit the first day of spring training. I had a coach quit the uh, second month of the season and I had a guy give me the book, uh, five dysfunctions of a team. And they said, you know, if if you do things the right way, you never have to fire anybody because they'll self-select out. And I joked, I said, well, I must be doing things excellent right now. (laughs) But what it crystallized for me was, um, again, there's different, we can argue what's the best culture, the best style or the best whatever else. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of ways you can be successful. Yep. And ultimately, it's having clarity on who you want to be, make sure everything's aligned around that, and then get the right people that want to be do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, people will say, well, you know, we got to have different thoughts and different perspectives for sure. I want different experiences, different perspectives but I don't have interest in different uh, alignment of values. We've got to be aligned around, you know, that identity, who do we want to be? And so those were some lessons, I think early on that really crystallized for me that, you know, set some things in motion, especially for a 28 year old farm director. Every coach was older than me and, and navigating some of that. So.
0: So here you come in with these new ideas, new ways of doing it. You you've got values, you and the GM, who in the organization, was it important that they got the values? Was it just the people in the front office? Was it just coaches? Was it players? And, and how did you think about those values seeping out the organ, seeping out into the organization?
1: Yeah, it's, it's I, I had a, a mentor hit me at one point. Um, you know, because here I am farm director overseeing whatever 80 to hundred staff and 200 players. And I was going to reach everybody. And, uh, he reminded me, he said, Hey, best leader in the history of the world, Jesus Christ. He focused on 12 and really focused on three. Mm. Um, and so it was a reminder for me that I couldn't do it. I mean, you can have I tell people, I say, you can have success, short-term success doing it, but if you want anything to last or to really be able to, uh, you know, be, be stable, you've got to be able to replicate yourself and be able to work through other people. Um, And so with that, then it was, it was identifying, okay, who, who are the leaders of leaders? Who are the people that we're going to invest in and spend time with to be able to make sure that they're then extensions of, of us, to be able to drive those things throughout. And then ultimately, it, you know, as you think about that top-down perspective, it's then, okay, how do we get it going both ways? Mm-hmm. How do we get a top-down, but then a bottom-up that ultimately everybody involved has to take ownership of, okay, what does this value set mean to me? Uh, what does this mean to me? What Where, where are their potential differences of opinion, different thoughts, whatever else, so that I can take ownership of it and then go bring it to life on a consistent basis.
0: If you could go back to that first two years, what would you do different? Looking back now, knowing what, you know, knowing the outcome, what would you do different about those first two years?
1: I think, so the things we just talked about, I would have been intentional from day one, as opposed Mm. to realizing it over time. Gotcha. And then I think the other part of it, I'm a development guy. I've coaches hardly. I think, you know, And it it can get me in trouble. I think I can help everybody grow as a a leader coach who matters a ton. And so the selection of especially people you're putting in a leadership position uh, matters a ton. And, um, you know, I don't think that we necessarily ever um, shortcut character, but maybe maturity and ability to lead. you know, probably took some chances on some really talented X's and O's, technical, tactical people that, um, you know, maybe weren't necessarily as good as at developing people. And, and there are some, you know, there's some fallout to that.
0: Yeah. Because it really, and I, and I heard you say this to Jason, I thought it was so good. It really didn't matter our industry. We're all in the people business, right? I mean, we're all dealing with people. How did you as a leader grow getting better dealing with people because you're dealing with people organizationally in the front office, you're dealing with scouts, you're dealing with minor league managers, you're dealing with major league baseball players. Ultimately, how did you get better as a leader dealing with people?
1: So I'll share kind of three buckets that I think have been, uh, important as I think through that. So the first one was, um, better understanding, um, Yeah, it's all different types, right? God's created all of us differently. And so part of that was through selection as we started to break down personality types and different things and what were the attributes we were looking for. I just started to become way more curious about some of those dimensions Mm -hmm. of people and what really matters, what doesn't, how do do you find some alignment to move some of those things forward? Um, And as simple as, and and that starts with me first. Like, you know, the simple breakdown is, are you more task oriented or more people oriented? I'm more task oriented. And so just being aware of that and understanding when I'm stressed, I'm going to double down on that. (laughs) So what's the other side, you know, the complimentary side. So so that was one big one. Um, The second one was um, my, my wife, Um, you know, Heather is the exact opposite of me. Every personality assessment we take, she's the exact opposite. And she's shown a different side of, of God that i if it was left to my own devices, I, you know, wouldn't be good. I, I've joked with people people talk about the topic of balance and I don't believe there's such thing as balance. if you're, if you're going to achieve and accomplish, there's not balance. Like you're mm-hmm. getting at, it's a fight for balance. Um, but we're going to have a lot of eggs in one basket at certain times, but it's appreciating the other side of things. And she has done that for me tremendously. Um, and part of it is she's my wife. Like I have to love her differently. (laughs) Yep. Um, you know, so it has shown me a lot of that. And then the third one, and it's tied to her is, um, you know, I was reading a lot of different books and studying different things. And she told me, um, she said, you need to read this, this book. And and I look at the book, it's light, it's baby blue. It's got balloons on it. It's called love does Mm -hmm. by Bob Goff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not reading that. And she hit, she (laughs) squared me up. She said, "Kyle, you need to love people better than you. You don't, you don't love people the way you need to." Mm. And uh, and so I read that book, profound, different look at love. Reached out to Bob. We've had a few different conversations, and just thinking about, okay, what does this look like in real life? Which then connects on the faith side of what's God call us to do. You know, love Him, love others, and if I'm not doing that as a leader there's going to be a gap there. Um, Mm. so those to answer your question on how better dealing with people, you know, those things really, um, you know, change my lens on that. People are messy starting with me Yep. (laughs) and are we willing to, you know, engage in it and meet people where they're at and try to help them, you know, be who they want to be.
0: So you go in and I, and I've heard you talk about this and I've read about it, you know, one of the things you did with SEAL training, you brought it, that was important to you You thought it would be good for the players. What, what was so important about them and that organization you wanted your organization to get? What, what were the things they brought to the table nobody else could bring?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, this has been a, you know at the time was a hot button topic you talk about really living through some spiritual warfare was was a tough time um you know personally professionally but as we looked at it um first of all and i tell people i said look if people think we did seal training with our players that's disrespectful to that community in terms of what they go through but what it was was a belief in number one um Principal excellence is excellence. I don't care what arena it is. Mm. And sometimes we need to get out of our comfort zone to realize what those principles are. So number one is it got us out of our, our comfort zone. Um, number two, they're one of the best, um, you know, elite fighting forces in the world. Yep. And so for me to say I've got nothing to learn from them, like I just think that's hugely arrogant. That doesn't make sense. And then the, the other part of it was at the end of the day, they're trying to forge um, performance that won't break down under stress. They're trying to forge teams and relationships that won't break down under stress. And they're trying to forge leaders who will meet the demands of what's in front of them. I'm like, that's what we do. That's our hmm. job. And so it was less about, hey, this is going to fix anything or whatever else, but it was a way that they were going to be able to reinforce things we were doing, core values we had, and bring it to light in a different way than, um, and at the end of the day, I mean, for a lot of our guys, they thought it was a really cool couple
0: of days. Yep. Did everybody like it? No. Um,
1: yep. But that, so that was really the thought process, you know, behind it.
0: So you you endure um, people not all understanding and people not all agreeing And the organization begins to turn and you guys go from being out of the playoffs to in the playoffs. What, when did you sit in your office, sit in the bleachers, you're at PNC and you look down and you're like, okay, I think this might be working. When did it hit you that I think, I think, culture has really begun to shift, not only for our team, but even for the city. When did that strike you? Was there a point, a moment in time?
1: Yeah, I think it's a great question. So I think if you, you know, every year I was more convicted in how we were doing things Mm. and that we were going to turn it around. Um, There were a lot of tangible examples of growth and improvement along the way. Um, it just, it was, it wasn't showing up. It's not the overnight success. Right. And so it wasn't obvious to everybody outside. Um, what I think going through, so that, that, so it's funny timeline and and it's also cool just how God works because like he's weaving a bunch of things together and, you know, that part of the conversation is such a small part of the conversation, but We go into, so we hire Clint Hurdle after 2010. Again, talking about alignment, you know, Clint was aligned 100%, good friend of of mine. Um, And Clint has a unique skill set in that he is the biggest, loudest voice in the room (laughs) and has no problems telling you he believes that where we're going, like he's not bashful about it. And we needed that at the major league level. So 2011, we make significant progress. 2012, we make significant progress to the point where we're in the mix in August. And then we go out and have the worst September in the history of baseball. We Mm. just collapse. Well, that was the same time that we were doing some different training down in Florida. And so it became a huge, huge story. And there were some motivations for people to get people fired what was cool was not everybody was on board. In fact, a lot of some of the frustrations were coming from inside. Um, big lesson learned for me was that, um, my obsession was leading down and I needed to do a better job of leading up, uh, making sure everybody was aligned and understanding where we were going and why and everything else. Um, now to, you know, the people I worked for as credit, they backed me and us and, uh, and we were able to weather that, that winter and a big part of that winter. was well, I think what that did was it forced people to say, look, are you, are you diving all in or not?
0: Mm, mm.
1: And I'll never forget. So we did uh, organizational meetings every year in January where we got everybody together. Cause we just felt like we needed to have, spend time together in order to build relationships. And I'll never forget Clint Hurdle saying to the room, the 150 of us, he said, Hey, everybody's got a decision maker. And he points at me, says, are we going to, have his back. Cause I'm sure there's some people in here. They're like, it's a little too hot. I don't know if I want to be too associated with that. And so I think, and it was less about having my back, but just organizationally I'm going to lock arms and, and sell out to this. Um, that lined up with, we made some some good decisions at off season acquisitions and it was, it was a perfect storm how Some things came together, but if you look at the progress from 2010 to 11, 11 to 12, and then the big jump from 12 to 13, Um, You know, those things were happening. So, long winded way of saying, was there a specific time? Uh, No, but there were times along the way. And then looking back, there were some times where it was like, hey, I think that was a little bit of an inflection point.
0: Was it hard, Kyle, to do all that work to get it where you got it to? And in 2019, the organization says, hey, I think we're going to go a different direction. How did you handle that as a leader, both? spiritually and as a as a guy as a man as a husband how what was that process like for you because i think everybody goes through it we don't want to go through it but we're going to go through it yeah. how did you weather that season
1: so it's in- interesting so um i think one you you know what you're signing up for right mm-hmm. um i think it was brian Billick, longtime nfl coach said look you're getting fired. It's just a matter of whether it's for results or relationships, one of the two, because you either can't win enough or you can't please enough people at some point. And so 12 years in Pittsburgh was a long time. Um, You know, a lot of success, uh, a lot of relationships, but you, you know what you're signing up for. Number one, number two, my wife and I like 12 years in Pittsburgh is a long time. You talk about that alignment piece. It, it, we knew in our hearts that it was time for us mm. to probably go do something else at some point. Um, I got sucked into, you know, I think again, God gives each of us different strengths and abilities. You know, I think my sweet spots probably going into a tough situation and wearing it and helping get us going to the right spot. But I, I, you know, you develop relationships you, my wife wanted me to love people. so the relationships and pouring into people and everything, you know, it was like, and you talk yourself into, okay, something really substantial is built over time. And so, you know, I think we, I've kind of, and where my boys were at, my oldest wanted to graduate from high school in Pittsburgh. You know, there's just a few things, I think all forms that shifted our folks, but we knew that season of life was nearing an end point. Um, And then I think the third part of it is what's your identity wrapped up in. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say that, you know, you don't get checked when when somebody says thanks, but no thanks. And the flip side is it's easy for me to say, well, it's a matter of time. Everybody's going to get fired. Well, no, there's some things I could have done differently in terms of, um, you know, navigating some things. Um, However, I think that identity piece that I've always believed, but it really came into you know, am I defined by what I do? And if I am, then that's going to hit hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I got a text from from the new president as I was flying back from the GM meetings. Had just been out representing the organization, and he said, "Are you going to be in the office tomorrow?" <laughs> and I said, uh, "I wasn't planning on it. I was planning on coming up next week, but I can." He said, yeah, you know, I'd like you to come up. And so I joked with my wife and my youngest um, that morning. I said, okay, I'm off to go get fired. I'll be back for dinner. And that's what happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it was funny when I when I was interviewing Clint, you know, I didn't know Clint at the time at all. I'd never met him till our interview. Now, of course, he's in the Bible study. And I've gotten to know he's the loudest person in the room. I have learned that. And... Uh, and I was interviewing him, and I said, so when you got out of baseball, he said, so you mean when I got fired? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to say it quite like that. He's like, well, that's what's in the paper. That's yeah, what I, happened.
1: So, no, it is. Clint and I have, and I've joked with some other people, because, like, even I say, you know, when I, when I got fired in Pittsburgh, and they're like, oh, don't say that. You didn't get fired. I said, no, I did. I got, <laughs> in fact, they liked me so much, they asked me to, that they paid me two years to not work for them. So uh, that's what happened.
0: <laughs> that, that's part of it. What did you learn, Kyle? During that season, of I I am this now. I'm recreating who Kyle is professionally, right? Who you are? What did you learn about that season? What did you learn during that season you couldn't have learned any other way through that adversity and that that the perceived quote unquote perceived failure because it's not yeah because of all the learnings that come from it. What what would you say? Yeah, I think a couple of things. I think
1: one. Uh, you know, everything that we, we know and learn, you know, I think God's constantly refining at a deeper level. Mm. So I say, Hey, my, you know I talk to people all the time. My identity is not wrapped up in what I do. It's wrapped up in who I am. And God's like, really at what level let's really test this and refine this. And ultimately it ain't even, you know, who I am, it's whose I am. That's so right. I think that deeper, um, re, you know, refinement of going through something and, and bringing some of that to life. I think the other part of it, um, you know, Mike is there's an element of, you know, when you're on the, when you're advancing in your career and humble and hungry and trying to grow and whatever else we're human beings and it's easy for us to get complacent to some extent. And it's not even so much like I complacent in my job, but when you now are in a spot where it's like, okay, what are you going to do with yourself now? And you're used to, certain standards of living, you're used to certain expectations, certain responsibilities, certain all of those things. And now you've got to hustle to recreate or do different or whatever else. And what matters most to you? Because what matters most to me now probably isn't the same as what it was 10, 12, 15 years ago. And what does that look like? Um, And so it was really cool in that that happens in the fall of 19. My wife says, Can you give me six months? She said, I'd ask for a year. I know you won't give me a year. Can you give me six months? Cause I'd been on the road 20, 25 days a month for 12 years. And I said, sure. And then God says, no, I want more than that. COVID happens. The world shuts down. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were able to do some things as a couple and as a family that we never would have. And it's reframed some things for me in terms of what matters most and where I want to be. Um, and you know, the, the, the 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 heat and spotlight and the grind and everything of, of professional baseball right group of people in but just to be in it to be in it no thanks there's other ways that i can impact people and, and scratch the baseball
0: itch and, and whatever else so now you are in that season of you you've, you've got your coaching company and we'll have links to to all the stuff in in the show notes when you go in and work with a leader a leader picks up the phone an organization picks up the phone and they call kyle and you show up on the scene to coach them to lead them to to reach to meet with them maybe in their time of adversity is usually when people call not when times are good but when times are bad at the end of the day what do you want them to remember most about kyle stark what what's the part of you you want to leave with every organization and every leader in every person you meet with
1: I think two things. I think one, um, well, actually, you know what? It comes back to the the questions we used to always ask that that players would ask themselves as they evaluated a coach. Um, you know, does this person care about me? Mm. Can I trust them? And can they help me get better? And so I I I boil it down to two things in terms of that they feel, hey. I'm invested in their success. This isn't about me. This isn't about my path. It's about trying to help them, you know, achieve and be successful. And then the second part of it is that they walked away going, you know what, I'm better. I I got challenged. Um, You know, again, I, I shared, I think God gifts us all differently. I think I have the ability to challenge people in such a way that is received as opposed to that it crushes them. And so, hopefully, they walk away. You know what, man? I I got squared up and challenged here, and but I kind of like it. I, you know, I'm I'm excited. I feel better about where we're going and the growth that we're having. Like where that going through that journey is something that's actually exciting and rewarding, as opposed to a, a burden or a grind.
0: You talked a lot at the beginning about your dad, and and he was such a great picture of who Jesus was and what Jesus looked like what do you want your kids to say about you one day they're sitting on a podcast with some yahoo in atlanta and he's asking them questions about their dad hey i knew your dad tell me about your dad what do you want them and your and your precious wife to say about you
1: yeah i think in a perfect world they're saying that same thing that he he showed us jesus uh you know and and again i think pro, you know in our own way and um but i think and, but to unpack okay what does that look like It is that uh, that they're deeply loved, that they understand, um, you know, that there is a true north and we're going to commit to that. We're going to commit to truth. We're not going to bend on truth no matter what. Um, and then at the end of the day, um, as much as he loves me and accepts me, he wants the best out of me, Mm. that there is a pursuit of excellence here, not, not in terms of needing to do it in order for my own self-worth or from an earning standpoint, but from a honoring the talents and gifts that God's given me, um, you know, is ultimately the perspective there.
0: I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kyle. So, so rich. And just as he unpacked that journey of finding out who he was, finding his faith, how he grew through professional baseball and just this, the strategies and leadership growth and decision making was so, so interesting. And I tell you what, man, it just it just gives you it just gives you some good stuff and gives me some good stuff in helping me in my own leadership journey. Thank you so much kyle for joining us boy i hope you enjoyed this episode and i hope you have enjoyed each of these episodes if they are adding value to your journey boy i would love it would mean the world if you would take time to leave a rating and review on spotify or itunes because it really does help other people find their way to us Well, in our next episode, we get to sit down with radio host, Carmen LaBerge, and you are going to enjoy Carmen so much. So many great insights, so much great stuff. Thanks again for joining me today. Now, I want you to do me a favor. Go love God, go love people, and go live sent in your life and in your leadership. And I pray that today is a great one.